Welcome everybody back to In the Trenches podcast by SoCal Student Ministries. We hope you're having a great day. Today, myself, Gary Elliott, and Corey White are back to talk about trauma in youth ministry, the stuff that our students go through, how to deal with it, how to help them get through that trauma, um, and onto the brighter side. So we hope today you enjoy this podcast. If there's any comments or concerns that you have about today's podcast or you just want to know more about it, you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at SoCal youth pastors on instagram and dm us and uh, give us a follow but other than that let's start the podcast welcome back everybody hope you guys are having a great day um my name is charlie and today i get to sit down with the one and only elliot bland yep gary garcia howdy and Corey white Corey White's back with us again. If you tuned in last week, you would have heard um, our conversation about help. I'm growing. Our youth ministry is growing. What do we do um, once we reach 50? What do we do once we reach 100? And so on. And he's back today as we get to talk about how do we deal with students with trauma? How do we help our students that are dealing with trauma um, grow through that? But before we do that, I want to talk about the fact that Elliot wasn't with us last week. Yeah. It was yeah. such a great week. Why man. the episode was lacking. Dude, it was so good. <laughs> what? So wh- where were you? I was actually getting a tattoo. While <gasps> because I would rather have needles shoved in my arm than hear Corey talk about how big his youth ministry is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, you keep talking about... You've talked about all the tattoos that you're getting. You might have to come hit me up at the uh, non-AG side of the world. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Oh, I was not expecting that. So what'd you get? What was your tattoo? So it's... it's We're losing listeners. I can hear them unfollowing. Because of the tattoos? (laughs) No way. We should have have a podcast that are just an episode talking about tattoos and youth pastors. And we debate. You Uh, you know who we should have? He has his... Old, his old youth ministry, oh, you but got, it's no. upside yeah. down. And you got tattooed it's, it, by... And it's not upside backwards. down. Yeah. But it's you backwards. Got by, Do you have uh, any other tattoos we can't see? Uh, one on my back. You got right tattooed before. by Jacob Donnie, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so he did uh, He did my anchor, and then he did the uh, the lighthouse that I have right there. Oh, sick. Yeah. Wait, what kind of flag is that on your chest? <laughs> it, lo- it doesn't look like an American one. It kind of... Lo- red. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why last I, week's bro, Everyone can so only great. hear us. I, I did not... Charlie, please put your shirt back on. I don't want to <laughs> see... <laughs> <laughs> I am now chopping no, okay. no, I chainsaw. <laughs> Bro, I did not act out at all on last week's podcast when you weren't here. You got me acting out already. Uh, I'm gonna Elliot. get people fired, bro. Bad company really Oh, but faster. my tattoo that I got, Charlie, is for my son Sawyer. His uh his middle name is the same as my middle name, which is Boyd. Um Cause he's a boy and so am I. No, it's Scottish and it's actually, uh, I'm Scottish and really? mm-hmm, like a decent amount. That's why my head's so big. Um, <laughs> but only I'm allowed to make that type of joke. Okay. But, uh, Scottish. Yeah. And so Boyd is a Scottish name. There's also a company called Boyd bear company. Mm. So I got, uh, like bear in Scottish gear with the flag it's actually called a tartan like the plaid design for the boyd clan like name yeah so tartan tartan not to be confused with tarkin or tarzan Hmm. but anyways (laughs) 
That's what I got. I do love how not even five minutes in, and every one of us were already dying laughing. Well, you, you just bring a, thanks, a different man. presence. Yeah. You just no, distract. N- no, no, like serious, good information, just uh, yeah. <laughs> comic relief. <laughs> Especially as we talk about a more heavier topic in youth yeah. ministry. So let's talk about trauma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, exactly that. Let's talk about trauma. So in youth ministry, every one of us, we, we deal with students, we work with students, and um, at least a handful of times, probably in our years of youth ministry, we've had students come to us with certain traumas that are dealing with certain issues, and uh, I feel like we're not the only ones. There's it, it, We work with people. People have these things happen to them. People have um, drama that baggage that they carry on with, and so today I just want to really open up this conversation of how do we deal with certain traumas with our students? How can we help lead them? And so really I just want to open up the podcast with what are some different traumas you feel like our students are facing? today um well before like we list the traumas i think that uh something that is like important to remember is if we're like running an effective youth ministry students will be coming in with trauma like yeah. mm-hmm. i think early on as a youth pastor i like prayed the prayer that we all pray and like made the statements like god bring in the broken bring in the hurting we want to love the unlovables and touch the untouchables and then they come to so your youth you better group. better have a security team established. Exactly. That's tr- oh, is that what you guys talked about? Yeah. yeah. Rich people, huh? We don't got security teams. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Gary. Uh, it's called telling them to leave. It's called <laughs> turn the lights on. Yeah, exactly. It's called lock the mother's room. David knows what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, when you're, you pray that prayer, God answers that prayer, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you see that happening. And so people are bringing in their hurt and their pain. And oftentimes I think... What you see, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who works in the Long Beach School District. And before COVID, I used to get to like go and shadow him at Mm. the schools that he worked at. He used to work at um, the like sister school to Long Beach Poly. It was called PAL. It's like where they sent the really, really troubled kids. Um, And dude, it was like a disney movie seriously like the whole i swear i was like they're gonna make this a disney channel original movie what you guys are doing here because it was just so cool but the way they were approaching these kids is they understood like all of them had hurt and pain and they were acting out in different ways and what yeah. you were seeing they called it like the iceberg you know you see an iceberg but i think you only see about 10 percent or less of what yeah. the a- actual iceberg is the rest is underneath the water the rest is under the surface and so i think um what we see with our students, even some of the most like annoying or the ones who act out the most, probably are going through some of the most difficult issues. For example, I had a, a kid one time, uh, we were walking to In-N-Out after service. I wasn't with him, he was with a group of students and he threw a rock at a window. And I knew this was like a rougher kid, caught him in the bathroom smoking sometimes. Like I knew kind of who he was, um, but he continued to come to youth and, uh, started to respect some of our rules and everything but then he's walking in and out he threw a rock and broke a window Mm. and i had to lock up the church by the time i got to in and out someone had called the police and they were stopping him and a couple other kids at in and out dream scenario as a youth pastor right having to deal with all that so long story short they release him into my custody i had to take him home and he was just being really weird didn't want to um like didn't want him to, he didn't want me to take him to his home. Yeah. And 
we pulled up me and my buddy who was with me, Joey Levitier. Mm. Perfect person to have in that situation. Exactly, 100%. <laughs> and he was living in this, like, kind of rough motel in our area. And his mom was clearly on mm. some type of drugs. And it was just this moment where when he did that, I was so mad at him. And I was, you know, like, how could you be so stupid? What a dumb thing to do. But like seeing where he was living, seeing what he was living in, seeing what was going on under the surface helped me to kind of realize, oh, there's a lot of hurt and pain. This is actually a symptom to a greater thing that's going on. Like there's just a helplessness that this dude has that he feels like, why wouldn't I throw a rock at someone's window? What It doesn't matter if I do or don't. So what's the point? Why should I even try in school? Why should I even try? He's been dealt a rough hand and he feels as though like, you know he's kind of had his legs cut off from the start. Yeah. And so I just say that just cause like, I know we'll probably talk about certain types of trauma, but all along the way as youth pastors, I think it's important for us to understand like that's sort of the point is to deal with this stuff and understand like there's deeper things going on under the surface with a majority of these yeah. kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been saying helping our team realize everybody is the way that they are for a reason. Mm. And we had a situation with a student who, you know, where, police got involved and there was violence threatened and all of this sort of stuff. And, and this student was, uh, a kid who was, you know, 13 years old. He was in the foster care system. Um, a foster family who goes to our church, brought him to youth group. And, um, it's like this, this kid was spiraling, like he was spiraling and it was wild, um, to walk it out with him and everything. But it was like, we, I think that everybody saw his kid and not knowing his story had no grace for for him. And so the few leaders that were connected to some of the situations this kid was involved in, I made sure to tell them his story because then all of a sudden they had grace for it. So, man, like when some of these kids come in, like I know like it can be frustrating Mm -hmm. that they're causing these issues. But like Elliot was saying, like, dude, every single kid is the way that they are for a reason. So before you even know the story, show grace um, and, you know, deal with things the way that you got to. And then realize, like, ultimately, like you got yourself to blame if you're the one we prayed. We prayed, you know, in 2018, God, send us send us the students that none of the other churches wanted. And then God started doing that. And we were like, oh, crap, (laughs) you know, and situations. And then other churches started doing that. (laughs) Other churches started sending us the kids. Here you go. (laughs) Go go, go to the bridge. They're right down the road. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, uh, Elliot said said even recently, um, uh, stop getting mad at broken people for being broken. Mm, yeah. Like, you're broken, man. Like, and, and what are we here for if not to walk broken yeah. teenagers who have dealt with trauma through some stuff? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, what are some traumas, though, that, that we see our students deal with? I'll tell you that, like, in the past few years and, you know, I'd be curious what Gary has to say about this, but, you know, I've done youth ministry for 12 years. And in the past couple of years, I've seen like never before that anxiety, like clinically Mm. diagnosed crippling anxiety has been so much more prevalent. And for anybody who doesn't know mine and my wife's story, my wife has clinically diagnosed anxiety. Um, She um, has been walking through it for close to eight years and you know, still, you know, we're open about this and, um, she's still taking medication for it. It's still something that we're walking through. And, Mm. um, 
you know, I feel like in 12 years, depression has been there yeah. and we walked that out. Suicidal thoughts have been there. We walked that out. Self-harm has been there. We walked that out. Self-image issues. But something I've seen in the past couple years that has become like, it's like of all of these traumas, it's just skyrocketing is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And for, for some of us, one of the hard things about that, this specific struggle is that it won't always make sense and you won't be able to point at this is why. Yeah. You know, cause some of the kids who have anxiety like this, their families are put together. Their parents come to church Their, you know, their household is fairly stable. They haven't been abused. They haven't been neglected, but they're still struggling with this like trauma on a very real, very tangible level. But don't you think that's so much because with this generation and because that wouldn't have been the case 10 years ago 20 Mm -hmm. years ago and it wasn't for me i can't say 20 but 10 years ago was not the case Uh, but i i I fully believe that anxiety comes on because of uh, i'll be honest social media has Mm -hmm. created um this different element of uh, and it's not the element of what you post it's the Mm -hmm. element i'm worried about what others think about me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is a huge thing with teenagers it's a huge thing that has been created it wasn't in it it would have been a problem in the past in a different way but with social media and all that they see and do and and hear about each other i would say that's probably one of the root causes Mm -hmm. of anxiety and we've dealt with it a lot in our youth ministry and, and, and some of those things. And I, I do believe there's some students that just throw that out there because it's an easy word yeah. to throw oh, out there. Yeah. But I, I know like it's a real thing and, mm-hmm. and there's kids and, and youth that really struggle with it. And um, honestly, there's not really anything you can do it's to tough. fix it. Yeah. You can just, the worst thing you can do is tell me what to do. Tell me how to make it better or just mm-hmm. get, o- the worst thing, just get over it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you just be tough yeah. or you know, um, they just have to go through it and you got to let them run that, that moment and Mm -hmm. eventually they'll come out of it. But I I would say that's a huge one. And I would say not the only reason, but a big reason is, and a big shift in the world would be be because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen that documentary? Uh, it's about social media, social dilemma, Dilemma. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watched that and it was so interesting because at the end of the documentary, you know, they, they throw out all these statistics and one of them is talking about anxiety and how much anxiety is just, peaked ever since uh you know social media has become a thing um but at the end they ask all these people who've made all these different the ones who own and operate all these social media platforms they say hey so you have kids now you didn't when you developed this stuff but now you guys have gotten a little older you've gotten married you have kids do your kids have social media and every single one of them said no i won't allow my kids to have social media yeah it's like you created something for all this all these other people's kids and it's something you won't even allow your own kids on so interesting yeah Yeah. well i've like everyone knows this who well not everyone who's listening but like at camp and convention like i've been uh open and like vulnerable about my own personal struggles with anxiety by the way what's like giving me anxiety right now is the way that Corey says anxiety i thought i was the only one right now you say anxiety you say anxiety there's no z in that word bro I kept looking at you like, am I really the only one hearing this? It's making me anxious. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, I grew up with a speech impediment. No, I didn't you go to classes didn't, for bro. years. Yes, I did. I went to. Fun Uh-oh. fact: Prove it. Corey went to speech impediment speech therapy classes until the sixth grade. Wow. Yeah, I and couldn't then, talk right. 
then they had pizza and you got saved there. <laughs> but, uh, I like how you told me that the depth of my faith is, is that you got saved for pizza and games, and I'm still at that I place. I didn't say that. You said that. I No. Every I week w- at you. I listen to the podcast. Okay. Um, okay. No. Anxiety. That's what we were talking anxiety. about. Anxiety. Stop. Um, <laughs> I I agree with what Gary's saying. I like. It's a really interesting thing to go through because like even when I was vulnerable at that camp, like I was literally having an anxiety attack at camp. I was supposed to be on stage with Gary introducing speakers. And it wasn't because of that. Like I've, I've done that type of stuff, but there was just something happening. Uh, and it was physically affecting me mm-hmm. where I was in my room, like having one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had. Um, and I shared it that night and even a repercussion of that was like there was a lot of great things that happened like students were like dang it was so cool to hear someone that like you know i wouldn't expect to be struggling with this it's it doesn't make you weak you know it doesn't make you Mm -hmm. less than it doesn't make you weird um and i think vulnerability is like it doesn't void your calling exactly it's the the perfect place to start when it comes to anything with mental health you got to be able to talk about it um Mm -hmm. with people you trust but even I saw like other youth pastors who I didn't know as well or whatever, but coming up to me or coming up to other people and being like, well, why? You know, there, like you were saying, Corey, right. there's got to be something. Um, and there's a lot. There's a lot that goes on. Right. But ultimately, with some things with mental health, it it is kind of a result of what's going on in your environment or, or the way you're wired or, you know, all that type of stuff. And my advice to any students who ever come up to me, knowing that, like, I'm the anxiety guy, right? <laughs> is sort of just like, hey, continue to do the things that work. Like uh, mm-hmm. Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary of doing what's right. Good. Good. In due season, you'll reap a harvest. Uh, and that idea like really works of just like, you got to keep being faithful to these things that work mm-hmm. and that are true. Um and yeah, I think mental health is a huge area of trauma that we're seeing with students yeah. for multiple reasons, because I think it was prevalent maybe 20 years ago, but people weren't as open with talking about it. So mm-hmm. I think there was probably people dealing with it that just were bottling it up yeah. and not talking about it. Um, but I do believe like what Gary's saying is true. There is this level of like, I think even power in our words that when we when we speak stuff over our lives, that's mm-hmm. why it's like. It's very interesting to see that, it, it, and I think it's spiritual, like, you know, oh, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and spiritual forces of evil. I think it's strategic attack from, like, yeah. the enemy mm-hmm. that a lot of these things become identities. It's not just mm-hmm. I struggle with anxiety. It's yeah. I'm anxious or yeah. I'm depressed or you even you get yourself. into other areas. Yeah. I'm gay or I, and that's going to be a soundbite, I'm sure. But uh you know what I'm saying? Like it becomes your identity. Yeah. The thing that you're struggling with becomes your identity. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is power in our words. And the more we speak yeah. that type of, st- and I'm not saying like this name and claim it type of idea yeah. or speaking things into existence, yeah. but I have seen, um, some of this happen. And, and a part of what has helped me in my struggle with anxiety is being careful about what I say yeah. about myself and mm-hmm. about my situation and being very yeah. careful not to just claim things mm-hmm. and speak things over my life. Um, but no, mental health is a huge area of yeah. trauma. I would I, say, uh, are we talking more about mental health? Yeah, just about yeah. just about the anxiety thing. Just yeah, because for I sure. want to. Like, Did you say it right? As, and how do you say it? Anxiety. Anxiety. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> anxiety. Just keep going. So, as somebody who 
you know, sitting across from Elliot right now, someone who has struggled with this heavily, I have never struggled with anxiety anxiety whatsoever. I've never had a panic attack. It is as foreign and alien of a concept as I could comprehend. Like my resting heart rate is legit like 40. Like I am like on the brink of death all the time because my heart rate is so low. Like, and it's just, I don't know. It's just how I'm built. Like to the point where like, you know, me, we got in a car accident, not like two years ago, we got rear ended on the freeway. Like we came to a dead stop, like 40 miles an hour. This dude ran into us and I like literally, and, and it's to the point where it's like, something's wrong with me. Like I almost don't even have adrenaline. Um, but for me, I would tell you, if you were to ask me, what's the biggest struggle that you and Amber have faced in your marriage? Um, I would tell you this, my biggest area of failure as a husband has been in this area. And just candidly and transparently, I still to this day remember telling Amber in the very beginning stage of her anxiety and how how um, rough that season was, I felt like this was taking over our lives. And because I couldn't make sense of it and because I couldn't fix it, I still remember saying these words to her, you just need to get over it. And to this day, dude, like I get choked up thinking that I said that to my wife. Um, and I remember seasons when we, when we were in Elsinore and we were living in the trailer in the back of the church where I'd come out of our room into the living room and she would be like literally like curled up in a ball, like squeezing her Bible, crying all over it because she's like, all I have is God and his word right now. And, and I felt helpless, bro. I felt helpless as a husband. And then I, I knew that I had said that and I failed so hard because she was like, Corey, we're not going to be able to travel. We're not going to go. I'll never get on a plane ever again. We stopped our Disneyland passes because if she stood in line, she felt trapped and that made her feel anxious. We couldn't go to the movies because if she sat in the middle and there were people on either side of her in the row, she'd get anxious and have a panic attack. And in feeling like this was taking over our lives, I, I failed as a husband. And here's what I learned. I had to stop trying, make, trying to make sense of it because it didn't even make sense to her. Yeah. She was like, Corey, this doesn't even, cause she'd be like, you know what the number one thing that gives me anxiety is the thought of anxiety. Yeah. And I was like, that makes no sense. Like I can't comprehend this. I can't wrap my head around this. So man, if you have a student who comes to you and is like, like Gary's saying, some there's we all know there are the students who I have anxiety or I'm depressed or I'm this and that, and it's like we have to walk through our is this is this for real, or is this you know a cry for help? But if a student comes to you, it's like, hey, I have like crippling anxiety, like I struggle with panic attacks. Don't sit there and try to make sense of it to them. Yeah. Can yeah, I just say something that might be controversial? Don't sit there and just like throw out all the faith Bible verses about like, so because of these verses, mm. don't have anxiety. Because trust me, if anybody wants to not have anxiety, it's that kid who is like, it's crippling for them. Yeah. But what you can do is just obviously pray for them, be there for them, being constant, and then just let them know, hey, you know, we were, so we were in Florida together, a handful of us at a, uh, at a conference. And on the last day we went to the oh, CPAC. Yeah, Charlie was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish. Kidding. I forgot where I, I was. I wish. It was um, my honeymoon, wasn't it? What? Maybe it was when we were in Florida, when we were in, or I was in uh, Orlando, I think. Been Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in Tampa at a like a youth ministry conference thing or whatever. Go Bucks. 
And the last day Love we guys. were um, we were at a mall just hanging out. We, were, we got lunch. We were doing some shopping. And for whatever reason, the mall has been giving Amber like anxiety. And she, in the middle of this, goes into a full-blown panic attack. And we actually ended up leaving and went back and like, you know, that was the last day we got our Uber. We went to the airport. We got on the plane. We left. So we were like, hey, guys, see you later. And we like, uh, we just left. And you guys were like, where are you? And we're like headed back to California. Sorry. And you guys know Amber's story. So all of, you know, we let you know. And you're like, dude, totally makes sense. But in that moment, I, I can't do anything but just say, I'm here. Yeah. And whatever you need, I, I got you. I don't sit there and make sense of it. Well, and for anyone, for any youth pastors who want to help kids who are going through mm-hmm. it, being just being there is a huge thing, yeah. being constant in their life and pointing to the fact that it will get better. Cause that's one of, that's how like anxiety and depression go hand in hand is like you get in this pit that you feel like you can't get out of mm-hmm. because you feel like, like I relate to what Amber w- was saying in that I'm anxious about the fact that I have anxiety. It's just this meta thing that you know doesn't make sense, but it's just, it's it's this weird trap that you can get stuck in. And one of the biggest things that's helped me, I mean, the last podcast that I was in, uh, I had a blind spot and yeah. like my migraines went hand in hand with my anxiety, but it was really cool. A lot of people probably don't know how big of a deal that was to like be recording the podcast mm-hmm. with a blind spot, not letting it take control of my day. Cause that was a big thing that would happen for me. I'd go speak at a church or there'd be an event and I'd have this crippling fear that I was going to get a migraine or a blind yeah. spot and it was going to ruin everything. And so taking some control for, for any listeners who are struggling with anxiety, there is power in just sort of calling things out for what they are. This is just fear because yeah. fear doesn't have power. Once you're saying, I, I know what this feeling is. I know that I have gone through it before and I'm going to get through it again. Um, but mental health isn't the only trauma people deal with at all. I'd say yeah. like a big one that I've seen in youth ministry, um, going back to like that kid that I was talking about. Mm. Uh, so he, he is um, a black kid, right? And it was really interesting just to see his struggle and his perspective of the yeah. world. And I feel like getting to be a youth pastor to a diverse group of students has been so eye-opening for me, you know, because it's helped me to not just see the world through my lens and through my perspective, but to understand that there is some um, validity in in the struggle that different people are going through in their perspective of the world. And especially just seeing this young man, like what he'd grown up in and just the, the way it just seemed to him, and even to me that he'd been given a bad yeah. deal from the start to play yeah. with. And uh, I think that creates some trauma as well. Um, and oh, it's yeah. especially as like a white youth pastor dealing with that. Like we got to understand, you know, it, it's complicated as a youth pastor to help kids through. I think more beneficial for this episode than like listing every single trauma yeah. and being like just understanding the idea of trauma. Mm-hmm. And understanding that, like, you don't have to have gone through what they've gone through to help them. You don't have to have felt what they felt to help them. Um, It is as simple as pointing to Jesus, right? I don't have to know what your solution is. I don't have to know what your problem is to know where your solution is found. So in some ways, it is just as simple as pointing them to Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
but walking that out is a lot more complicated, right? It yeah. isn't just a band-aid of like, well, Jesus will fix all your problems. It is walking through some of that and talking about all of it, you know? But I, I need to remind like our listeners, especially that are pastors, and I mean, I can say this, I don't know, I don't think you, Charlie, I think you're included in this, but um, I, I think too many times youth pastors think that they are counselors, mm-hmm. and we are not. Yeah, right. we have not been trained. We have not True. gone to school for that. Right. Um, we haven't done any of those things. So I always am quick to just remind guys. You know, there are there are counselors out there, um, and I'm happy to point a student that direction because yeah. what we can have them is we can help them to a, an extent. Yeah. But uh, obviously, Jesus and and yeah. healing and all of those things. But there's some things just there. There's tools that they have to learn yeah. that we can't share. We don't know. We don't have the way to do that. There's things that counselors can do to open up some of those things, That's and um, we have to be careful as youth pastors, thinking that we can fix these things or that we are because we we've given some advice to kids that we're professional counselors. We are far from it. We give yeah. advice. We point people towards Jesus. But we have to be willing to know what's out of our pay grade. Hundred yeah. percent. At the bridge, we actually have a. We have this form that if someone's coming in who's like, you know, someone who we are not like super familiar with, it's not like you come to Bridge Youth every week and we're meeting on a every other week basis and all this. And someone's coming in to meet with a pastor and that uh, this could be interpreted as a counseling type meeting. There's actually paperwork that our business manager has us have them fill out before we meet that says, I understand that this is not professional professional counseling. Mm. This is not professional therapy, but what the pastors at the bridge offer is spiritual guidance and biblical instruction because yeah. yeah. that's what we can give. And the thing is, one of the interesting things about, I mean, ministry in general, because you are working with people, but with trauma is that not only is every single trauma different, every single individual is different and their experience is all different. Yeah. So this is where you have got to lean on the Holy Spirit to guide you. And contrary to popular belief, yes, we... I was going to say, uh, does he know who the Holy Spirit is? As soon as you said that, I knew that was coming. (laughs) So it was on the way. Should we do a quick lesson? Because here's the thing is that if you are going to be a Ford mechanic, then you're going to change the transmission in a 2016 Mustang the same every single time. But every single situation with every single student and every single moment will be different. And mm. you have to approach it different. You have yeah. Yeah. We, you know, me and Amber, we were just on, um, I'll leave like all details pretty much out for the sake of confidentiality. But we were just on a Zoom call with a student of ours who is at a um, kind of a um, suicide prevention type program that they're there for a, a um, 60-day program, and they were released to be able to do their first Zoom call, and, and their parents asked that we would be on that Zoom call with them. And so we got on that Zoom call, and, and there were ways that we had to navigate that, and it was the student's birthday and stuff, and it was so cool to be able to see them and to be on a – like, just such an honor, like such an yeah. honor to be able to be a part of this moment with her family and with her – but one of the things that her mom said beforehand is, hey, be really careful by just plastering her with like, it's going to get better. Things mm. are going to be better. Things are going to get, you know, there's light because she's just struggling with hearing that right now. And so 
let's lean over in this direction instead. And I was like, that is such a weird way that we now feel like we have to approach this situation because I'm, I am an optimist. Like I am like, no, there is always light at the end of the tunnel. There is always hope. And if Jesus is involved in the equation, we're going to be okay. But to kind of walk into it being said like, Hey, we need to kind of not go that direction. Well, all of a sudden I'm like, well, Holy spirit direct me. And I remember in the, in the, in the phone call, the Holy Spirit just telling me, smile a lot, joke a lot, be energetic, let her see like, like, you know, this, this, you know, really like as for as cliche as it could be, let her see Jesus just like through you in this moment. And it was such an awesome call. And that's difficult, you know, because you never know how situations are going to play out, but you've got to lean on the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. There's, yeah. there's two things too with it is, you know, for, I would say for like anxiety, um, obviously you, uh, with Elliot being as close as we are, we've, I've walked him through some of those things. And the thing is I don't walk him through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just there, you know, I'll, I'll sit with him. I'll hang with him. I'll let him talk cause he just has to get through it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, um, I think the worst thing I can do is try to say, this is how you fix it. This is how you stop or, yeah. you know, just be okay. Or, you know, um, but I, I would say even with some of the things we see students go through, we have to remember as hard as some traumas are, we can't be the quick fix because yeah. it very much could be God is doing something that we don't see. Right. And, you That's know, good. in those moments, their faith is going to change. Their faith is going to develop. What we can do is remind them of their faith during yeah. those mm-hmm. moments. Um, but also know that there's certain traumas like, um, you know, we have friends that were um, went through the Las Vegas shooting and they were mm-hmm. there and, and, you know, it was a trauma to them. Yeah. But they had to go through some things. God was doing something in their life that they had to experience, and it was traumatic. Mm-hmm. But there was a change that takes place that takes place in that. And so it's just really being using wisdom and, and praying mm-hmm. for wisdom whenever you're dealing with someone that's going through something yeah. traumatic. Um, you, you know, trusting God, looking for God to lead you. Corey said it right on. You know, uh, having that, that discernment, mm-hmm. um, but then also. Um, I think knowing when to not be a fixer and not yeah. to to you know just let God do what God is doing and just be there as their pastor to love them to yeah. pray with them to um, if they need you they'll tell you sometimes you know no I think like the you were right when you said I think that's like probably some of the best advice anyone who's listening to this any youth pastors wanting to know about trauma know what's out of your pay grade and know yeah. like knowing what you're called to do knowing what you're not called to do is just as important as knowing what you are called to do. Um, and I think it makes you more effective at doing what you're called to do. Um, and unless you have like a specific call towards counseling, some youth pastors do, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and they get degrees in it. Sure. Um, but none of the four of us do. Mm-hmm. And, and most youth pastors don't. Most youth pastors don't. And I, I would say our role is largely consistency, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it is. And that's what I'm saying is like, that's what I was trying to say about that. Um, student that I was dealing with is like Jesus is the answer and that's that's my role in his life is to Mm -hmm. point him to that to live that out to to create a space right like in youth where all these different students from all these different areas of life can come and find community and belonging and ultimately discover who they are in Christ right um but having empathy towards this situation Mm -hmm. right like I think I didn't have to understand it. I didn't have to know all the details about like, but I want to do the best that I can to like realize 
if the kid comes to me that's struggling with anxiety, I'm like, dang, I got you, bro. Like, I know what to tell you. But if the kid's coming to me and saying, like, I'm struggling with uh, the racial things going on yeah. in the world, I'm a white youth pastor who doesn't understand that perspective. So having empathy towards other people's perspective, and that's the beauty of the church, is it gives us different perspectives that we yeah. don't always have. Um, but the beauty is that the answer is the same for all. And that's not glamorous. That doesn't get you, uh, you know, retweeted very much mm -hmm. or like celebrated by woke theology but like jesus the simple gospel is still true and it yeah. changes people's lives and i think we're playing the long game too that's the thing right. to remember about trauma is like consistency is so powerful not immediately yeah mm -hmm. some of these same students that are the ones who are struggling the most but just stay in their trauma right and I want them to just have a life-changing moment where it's like everything's changed and, mm. you know, they're a new person, new creation, and they go into ministry or, you know, like the yeah. beautiful story of how it's supposed to play out. A lot of the times what happens is they come and then they continue doing what they're doing and sometimes they leave youth ministry. Mm -hmm. But already even just in six years of youth ministry at the same place, I'm having people come back around you mm -hmm. know and yeah. know that oh you were always there you were the one thing that was constant and right. i tried drugs i tried relationships mm -hmm. i tried clout i tried all this other stuff and it wasn't enough like the prodigal son mm -hmm. returning you know mm -hmm. and uh i think that is the beauty of youth ministry is sometimes i'm in it for some of those immediate moments yeah. i'm specifically a youth pastor because i believe that you don't have to wait sooner or, or i'm a proponent of sooner rather than later right. right like you don't have to try and settle for second best to realize that god is what you needed mm -hmm. all along mm -hmm. but a lot of the times that's not the scenario we see sure we see kids have cool moments and experiences but ultimately kind of double back to yeah. Yeah. what's popular what culture says what they go to school you know but there is something to that consistency. Mm -hmm. Corey, yeah. you were always there for me. You and Amber, uh, you know, even when I was talking bad about the youth group, even when mm -hmm. uh, there was just this consistent yeah. love and the yeah. message stayed the same. And, you mm -hmm. know, and so I think that that's our response to trauma mm -hmm. more than counseling yeah. is consistency. And yeah. we do, you know, there's, there's something to this here in that also like, understanding that God is going to work differently, like Gary was just saying, work differently with different students, right? Mm. And can God, like, boom, in a moment change everything and their anxiety is gone or their depression is gone or their suicidal thoughts are gone, they're completely healed. And it's, yes, and I've seen that happen, but I've also seen it to where they walk it out as more of a journey, you know, <clears throat> more of a journey. And, and if we are only ever over here telling young people and advocating for a single moment everything changes all at once type of thing mm -hmm. then we're doing a disservice because then those students will equate like well i'm still struggling with like well what's wrong with me now all of a sudden we've stacked trauma on top of trauma yeah you know and so we have to realize like we will walk different people different students through different types of journeys yeah. and dude it's so cool to see god change everything all at once with a student but it's also such an honoring like humbling privilege to walk with people in their valley moments as well yeah. and even with that zoom call that that i was talking to you guys about a moment ago we had one of our young adult leaders um on that zoom call as well and i I just hit them up after and, and just reminded them like, hey, I know 
because this leader is 18 years old, young, it's a, like a heavy moment. I said, I know that this was heavy. I know that this was difficult. I know that this is, this is the type of thing you lose sleep over, but I wanted to remind you of what a privilege it is to walk through these seasons of life with people. This is what God's called us to. This is what God has anointed us for. And, you know, <clears throat> something that just keeps coming to mind that I want to bring up is I know that there's probably a lot of youth pastors as we talk about like, well, how do you how do you figure out if it's for real? Because there's so many mm, students who yeah. who hit you with the, um, yeah. you know, I got anxiety. I'm depressed. Well, <clears throat> as soon as it goes into this realm, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about suicide. Well, we often get confused about, okay, um, <clears throat> like, like where do we now carry legal responsibility? Yeah, mandated and, reporter and yeah. stuff like right. that. And so we actually had a someone who's a professional family counselor for like 50 years. He retired and, and he came and he talked to our staff and he, he walked us through even when they have a responsibility um, to say something. And what he had said was, Here's what you do. If a, if a young person mentions suicide, suicidal thoughts, they say something along the lines of, I'm going to kill myself. You, And this is tough to navigate. This is difficult. But you essentially ask them, hey, like, if you were to do that, like, when or how would you do it? When or how? A time and a method. And if they can give you a time or a method, it's gone from thoughts to contemplation. And that's when, from a legal standpoint, you have to then, you know, r- get parents involved or whatever. Yeah, I think, like, uh, I mean, it's great that your guys' church brought that guy in and, and has that, like, concrete, this is how we handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to any youth pastor listening, you need to get with your lead pastor yeah. and figure out yeah. your guys' plan of attack. Because uh, I, I think that what works for the bridge could very well work for you guys and maybe you bring that to your lead pastor. But if you don't already have that in place, um, have that, you know, yeah. like, for instance, at our church, I know a part of any type of somewhat counseling, even though we're not counselors. But, you mm-hmm. know, you're meeting with a student, you're talking about s- trauma and stuff. Yeah. One thing that we're clear about, and this isn't just in youth ministry, this is just every area of the church, is that this is a confidential conversation, yeah. but confidentiality automatically includes our lead pastor Mm. and i've even implemented that with my leadership of like hey listen make sure that they know they can trust you but so that they don't and i i saw some of this happen this last week in youth i had to deal with something that i found out from another leader who found out from a student that trusted them but it had to do with the student that i i needed to deal with following with me right kind of you threw me off for a loop on that one. one of our boys was involved with something with a girl so the girl student mm. talked to girl leaders but i had to deal with the boy yeah, yeah. so yeah, you get you, it but she didn't tell me directly she told the girl leaders and mm-hmm. so had to deal with this whole idea yeah. of like hey listen this isn't us not being trustworthy because the leaders are dealing with the dynamic of like we've built trust with this girl we don't mm-hmm. want her to not trust us but understanding like this is the dynamic of leadership and this is actually mm-hmm. very healthy it's not gossip it's not right. spilling the tea it's healthy accountability and boundaries. And, and so I think having that type of open c- communication so you don't have to be the one to make the call even because yeah, that's right. heavy. It's so yeah. awesome to be able to go to my lead pastor and say, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Here's yeah, the conversation yeah. I had. Should we what do you think we should do? Right. Because I, I, I don't want the weight of that yeah. all on my shoulders. For sure. Um, 
Charlie, you have a crazy story about that, right? Um, I don't know if you want to tell it or not. I don't. I don't know if that's private. I just like um, which one? <laughs> where you were in service, and then by the end of service, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that that story. Um, I've shared it before on the podcast. Just like, and, and this student was dealing with a lot of trauma at home, and um, this in the middle of we had service. Um, how do I? So before service started, we had to call nine one one. Um, one of our students had fainted. She um, wasn't eating, and there's a lot of things that were going on in her life that. Um, and, and ended up, she ended up fainting outside of the church, and we called 911. The ambulance was there. Luckily, his parent was dropping their student off, and he was a nurse, and so that worked out perfect. I go inside, speak the message, and I was like, man, that mess- in my opinion, I was like, man, that message was great. Students gave their life to Jesus, and then as soon as I walk off stage, one of our leaders points at me and says, come here, and they said that um, one of our students, like, confessing that um, her family was abusing her, and it was just this different trauma and these different situations. And in that moment, thank God for our leadership team, because in that moment, they knew exactly what to do. They knew exactly which pastor that they needed to reach out to, Mm -hmm. to be able to say, what's our next steps? Charlie's not here. What's our next steps to do? Mm -hmm. And they did exactly what they needed to do. They called CPS, they called, and then the sheriff's department was dispatched out and we were able to handle the situation in the proper manner. And it was just great because the leadership team knew exactly what steps to do when that trauma was getting brought up. And granted, that's a, that's a huge, huge issue. And Mm -hmm. we've talked about it before, making sure we have our um, systems in place and having that um, ready to go for what it is that you're going to need to do when those moments of trauma do get brought up in your ministry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say like something learned in dealing with a couple of trauma type situations, even recently is while yes, there are situations that involve parents that were like, man, like the parents are playing a part in this. And I don't know if I have to get child protective services involved mm-hmm. or the authorities or whatever, you know, bringing in your lead pastor, huge in those moments because then you're not carrying it by yourself yeah um but when it's not that type of situation where the parents are you know potentially legally responsible for some stuff dude like reach out to the parents Mm. include the parents yeah that's good be like and even this recent this recent uh situation i i referred to a few times Amber and I both have been able to walk through and pastor this student's parents a ton. Like so like we're literally every single Sunday we meet in between services and pray with this family. And so just know that like and don't please, please, please don't look at yourself as just the youth pastor and they're not a teenager they're an adult they're older than me therefore i have nothing to offer them i can pretty much guarantee you that they will absolutely allow you to walk the seats of them and get prayer and then all of a sudden you're able to minister to an entire family you know yeah no that's good that's real good well that was a great podcast there's a lot talked about like talked about mental health trauma and just how can we um work and lead and pastor our students in those moments so i just want to say elliot thank you so much for being here yeah gary stop recording without me dude i will stop getting tattoos how is your tattoo i can't doing? stop i'm addicted <laughs> it started dripping during this podcast and robert went and got me a napkin it was so hilarious that immediately i knew you were trying to ask robert for a napkin and yeah. his confusion for <laughs> four minutes of, yeah you know i'm not sure what is it what am i getting for you, you? don't play charades with robert <laughs> <laughs> you will lose he's so bad <laughs> oh man he's still single though 
Yeah, he is. That is true. We talked about that in the last podcast, so. And still single from an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Um, if you guys have any questions on anything that was said, go ahead and reach out to us on our Instagram account at SoCal Youth Pastors. But other than that, we will catch you on the next podcast. Later. <laughs>